Hey guys, TJ here. God put it on my heart to talk about money in this season. I think that's interesting because Jesus talks about money often, not because he cares so much about money, but because he cares about the heart. And we're told where your treasure is, your heart will be. And most people, the reality is most people treasure money. Now, I've had an, a wild story when it comes to money, and we'll dig into some of that in this season. Um, this is is really about just helping you in your relationship with money. This is not about helping you get rich quick. This is not about helping you um, see the gospel through a prosperity, financial prosperity lens. That's not what this is about. Um, it's not about practical budgeting tips, um, but we're going to be talking about a lot of different things that involve your mindset, uh, your attitude towards money, beliefs that you might have had, and some practicals. Um, you're going to hear from people who share uh, their wisdom. Um, you're going to hear some of the things that have really helped them. And you're going to hear some testimony of just how God has changed people's relationship with money. And I think that all of us can benefit from that, but I think that there's a specific time for us to to be paying attention to this. I think there's uh, a lot of wealth creation happening right now at a very fast pace, and there's not a lot of character as a foundation. Um, so anyway, all of that to say, I hope you get value. Thanks so much for being here. I appreciate you. I was asking the Lord, I was like, Lord, what do you want me to talk about tonight? And there's there's a few things that he's been sharing with me that I wanted to offer you as just something to receive. And I think it's uh, it's it's something that can be, I've got several things that he's been sharing with me recently. And, um, and each one of them, I think, can have different meaning and we can receive them in different ways. Um, but we've been talking about money. We've been talking about the, the last several weeks now, over a month. We've been talking about the different elements of money. We were talking about marriage and money last time. Um, we've been talking about the connection to money in general, how to grow in wisdom with that. And, um, and I was thinking, you know, maybe tonight would be a good opportunity for me to share some personal testimonies around money because I have uh, a lot. Um, <laughs> and uh, I just felt like the Lord was actually kind of leading me in a different direction. So I'm just going to go with where I think he's been leading me for tonight. Um, with that said, I think the connection is this, that um, he's been showing me something really important tied to money. And it's specifically just around the idea of how uh, money is not the root of all evil, but it's the love of money that's the root of all evil. And God, as love himself, uh, wants our love for him. And so anything that stands against him and our affection or anything that could take our love from him uh, or away from him and to something else is what stands against him and, and he stands against it. And money being, the love of money being the root of all evil, I think there's just this deep connection to some of the things that he's been sharing with me and um, and I hope that you'll be able to just put the pieces together for your own life. Ask Holy Spirit, uh, definitely pick up your Bible and read your Bible and um, see what he speaks to you. A few weeks ago, we were on, uh, was with uh, my former pastor, Rama Trainer, and um, there were just a couple people afterwards who ended up taking what Rama had shared and asking the Lord about it around leaving Babylon and um, the idea of what that means in today's world for them personally, and just what was going on in the context of that when they read about it in scripture. And um, and they they were sharing some of the things that God was speaking to them. So if that's just a good example of, uh, of you know, this is the things that are being shared today and 
um, even anything that I'm sharing in the past or having other people share about, it's meant to be kind of received uh, in a personal way for you, whatever that looks like. And for some people, it may look uh, like more relevant, more significant than others, and that's okay. Um, but just understand that the things that I'm sharing are not all directed, you know, specifically to you for you right now. Uh, but they could be something that God wants to speak and share with you. And it might be something that you can share with somebody else, or it might be something that he brings up a later point in your life. So um, the first thing that God has been speaking to me about is actually fear. And in Proverbs uh, chapter 9, verse 10, Proverbs chapter 9, verse 10, Proverbs is a book in the Bible, Old Testament. And in chapter 9 of Proverbs, verse 10, it says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. Another translation in King James Version says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the holy is understanding. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the holy is understanding. Now, for me, the reason that this is important is that um, he's, for one, I really believe wanting us to live a life where we're, you know, living with wisdom as opposed to the opposite, right? So a life with wisdom as opposed to the opposite, which would be a life uh, without wisdom. Wisdom is having some level of control over our mind. And I, I think one of the reasons he's highlighting this to me is because uh, fear is one of the things that can very quickly make us lose control of our mind. You guys who um, have maybe been in kind of like a personal development space, you would know that like the idea of controlling your emotions and not making decisions based on your emotions is a really important concept in the natural and the humanistic and the, in the world that we live in where people are trying to teach people how to be better humans, uh, making decisions based on your emotions. It really doesn't end very well. And one of the reasons is because fear is a very dominant emotion. Fear can be such a powerful thing driving decisions in our lives. And you guys know this, you know, just personally. But one of the things that, uh, you know, it's, I think it's interesting to think about fear and wisdom together because fear actually makes people unwise. Fear makes people unwise. So why would God say in Proverbs chapter 9, why would he say the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom? Why would he say fear makes you wise? Why would he say that if fear is what actually takes over it, the, the planting of fear in our mind is actually what makes us lose control of our mind? It's because when we understand the one who is in control, then we can actually rest and not operate in this state of chaos. We can rest in the fact that God is in control and we can listen and obey because why? Fear is more than just one thing. Fear is not just a terror thing. Fear is also a reverence thing. It's a respect thing, like a, a, a servant respects their master. Um, fear is like an awe thing in this example. When when somebody has fear of the Lord, they're like in awe that that the Lord, they call him the Lord instead of just God or or the universe. It's like, no, actually, you're the creator of the universe. You're not the tree or the rock. You're the one who made the trees and the rocks. And you are the one who has the power to take this whole thing out, just like you're the one who had the power to make this whole thing happen. And I'm in awe of that example when I see something happen in the natural in nature 
nature is our natural. When I see that and I go and I stand in awe, I can be in awe of the creation of nature or I can be in awe of the creator. And, and so fear of the Lord and understanding that, that the earth is the Lord and all who dwell in it, you know, that, that is a real understanding that God is in charge of this whole thing. God is in charge of this whole thing. And if we don't have that as a foundation, then we can live in fear of man, in fear of all the things happening, in fear of, um, you know, the next headline and news and things that are totally outside of our control. And I think a lot of people over the last couple of years have been living in that state. Fear has been, and I'm talking the human fear, um, you know, the, I'll call it the, the not godly fear, the fear of God, but I'm talking anything below it, okay? If it's not of God, it's anything else. And I'm talking about the, the anything else here has really been an attack. It, the fear that has existed in the world, if you picked up your phone, if you read any kind of news over the last couple of years, even right now, I mean, fear just comes through and it totally attacks the mind. And it is the exact thing that will destroy wisdom if you don't have the foundational thing, which is to fear God and keep that in mind first, right? Because God knows all things. God knows all things. And when you know who God is and his character and you know that he's merciful, but when you also know who God is and his responsibility as a judge, you know that God will bring righteous judgment because he's fair. You also know that God can bring mercy in his character because that's who he is. The two of those things really matter when you're thinking about the things that are around you, when you think about injustices in your own life, injustices in the world, things that are outside of your control for that matter. When you think about things that people in our world say that they have control of, and then two seconds later they say, we actually have no idea, and the fear can creep in there. But it's like, well, actually, yeah, because my faith can't be in man, my faith has to be in God, and if God is going to uh, work through man or woman, right? I'm talking about both in this example, but if God's going to work through man, great. But if not, my faith is still in God. My faith cannot be shaken. And that is the beginning of wisdom, is understanding that God is in control of this whole thing. And we have to, I really believe God is saying, we have to have fear of the Lord. We have to have not just a fear in terms of respect and awe, reverence, but also a fear in terms of, um, I don't know how else to say this, but a fear in terms of like understanding his judgment and wrath. And I think this is something because so many people have, um, I'm not a priest, I'm not a pastor, but I'm just speaking from my heart here because so many people have gone and, and I'll just also reference this. I don't know if any of this is theologically correct. I'll just share, but because so many people have left the church like the, the organization of the church, like people grew up in, in kind of like a really just disgusting kind of cultish uh, or, or even just dead religion environments where people woke up at some point and they used their brain and they looked around and they go, why are people falling asleep in here? And they realize, wait a second, like this one person's in control of this whole thing and they're determining whether I'm going to heaven or hell or they're saying, you know what, why are all these people you know, saying one thing and then doing another. And so they woke up and they said, you know, this is particularly in the West where, where we are. And they're like, this doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Like, I'm going to go on my own search, my own journey, and I'm just going to take the best from that. And I'm going to take the best from this. I'm going to take the best from this. And here's what ends up happening is people turn away from the Lord. And in Jeremiah 2, 
the Lord says, he says, um, those who say to a tree, you're my father and to a stone, you gave me birth or you turned your back from me. You turned your back to me. And this is what's happening is people turned away from God and they turned to the creation instead of the creator. They turned away from God and they said, well, it's got to be the rock of the tree or this other thing. And God's sitting here going, uh-uh, it was me the whole time. I'm still God. Whether you saw me in that place, the organization of, for example, the church, whether you saw me there or not has nothing to do with whether I'm actually God. I'm still God. And I still bring judgment and wrath and I still bring mercy and grace. Those are the two real key things like people are, are missing though. People are often missing because they're like, I don't want, I don't know if I feel comfortable with the whole like, you know, God can kill or God can destroy or God can bring judgment or God can, you know, God can actually condemn my decisions in my life. And it's like, yeah, he, he can, he does because he wants what's best for you. Not because he's a God who's a God of religion that you might have experienced in your upbringing. It's because he's a God who wants what's best for you. And he says what's best for you is to fear me, him, God, and to turn away from evil, to turn away from evil. And this is the crazy thing is when you actually fear something, okay, what, act, what, makes, what makes that fear go away? So let's just say you fear getting a bad grade on a test, okay? But then somebody in your family gets sick and now the fear level is heightened and the loss of somebody in your family becomes the greater fear. And this thing about whether or not you got, uh, you know, you passed the test or got your degree or whatever, that kind of goes away, right? Because the fear is heightening. Now think about this when you think about this for yourself as it relates to God. So if the greater the fear, the lesser all the other fears, think about what it means to have the fear of God himself and how small all the other fears in the world become how small all the other fears in the world become but what if you don't have a fear of god what if you don't have a fear of god how can you tell whether you fear god truly in your heart whether you fear god or not i mean for me personally it's like i can catch myself and i say where's my peace like if i if i truly fear god uh, then i will look at some of these other things that can create fear and I can say, okay, natural body reaction to keep me alive, that's normal, okay, the visceral response of fear. But the feeling that stays after, man, if I'm starting to notice I keep that fear, if I'm starting to notice that my peace is gone because I'm, I've put now my faith in all these other things for my well-being, for, for not just my time here on earth, my eternity, whatever it might be, then I find myself saying, well, maybe I've lost my focus on fearing God and the main thing. And I think what a lot of people have experienced in their life is they've gone through with a lot of fear of man from family dynamics, families not teaching children what fearing God looks like. If they have, it came across as religion and there was no mercy or whatever it might be, or families not even teaching about who God is. And the way that they were taught about who God is, is like, you have to do good things to get to heaven. And, and that's the only way, and you're never going to be enough. And it's like, well, if that's the God that I'm serving, then that doesn't sound like a God that's for me. And that's true because that's not what God said. He said, I came to give you freedom freely. He just said, will you follow me? Will you believe who I say I am? This is Jesus saying, I came to bring you forgiveness freely. I'm paying the consequence of the cost that you need to pay for the sin in your life. 
And all you have to do is say, yes, I believe you. I'll follow you and give your life to him, the one who said, I've saved you, not just here on earth, but for eternity. And many people have been taught the wrong message of, of that. And so they recognize, they go, oh, that doesn't make sense for me. Like, why would I do all these things to get that thing? And so this whole concept of like who God is got skewed and they walked away from the God that they thought uh, was God, but really God's not that. God is God is the Lord, the creator of all things, the author, the maker, the healer, Jehovah Jireh. Like God is the God of the universes, not just the universe. And people have, um, with this misconstrued idea of who God is, they've started to go to other gods, create other gods, lesser gods. And, and when we create those lesser gods, when we put our faith in those things, those are the things that we can uh, become susceptible to fearing. Those are the very things. Those are the people, for example, we can become susceptible to allowing uh, to control our peace. For example, if my faith is in this one person to tell me about my health and well-being, if that person tells me I'm not going to be healthy and I'm going to be stuck in a hospital for the rest of my life, then uh, yeah, my my peace will be lost because my faith was in that person right? But what if God is greater than that person? What if God created that person? What if God is the one who actually brings dead people back to life today? Like a living God. What if God is the one who uh, has mercy on your family and actually changes dynamics and restores relationships that you never thought could be changed? What if God is the one who brought you through pain and suffering and showed you who he truly was through the wilderness season, but you just forgot about him because you were still blaming people in that season rather than looking for God and how faithful he was during that season. See, like people, and this is my own experience, okay? When people are going through their own journey uh, in, in trying to discover who God is for themselves, it's very easy when you're hungry for the supernatural to start leaning towards all these other things that the church organization doesn't offer. But at the end of the day, God is still God, and he is still the one who creates all things. He's still the one who has the power to do all things. And whether or not we believe that has nothing to do with whether or not he is that. And I think people find themselves veering off into different directions just because they're hungry for something that they haven't seen in their own perspective, in their own life experience or journey. And I would say it's not even that most people haven't had it come across their journey. It's that they've never been looking. They've never known to look. They've never known to look for God in the ways that I'm describing, or they've never um, had the, the control over their mind to, to actually be able to see, wow, when I like actually cut through all the noise, this is where God is, and he was leading. And so for people to start, like foundational type of thing, love God, hate evil. You got to know who God is. You got to fear the Lord. And that can mean a multitude of things. But the three key things that I was just, you know, really, that were really highlighted to me was the idea of being afraid of the judgment and wrath and understanding that that's a real thing. Uh, also recognizing the respect that you can have for the master who you would obey. And also recognizing through the reverence of and awe of this creator and all the things that he's created, the, the really the gratitude that you get to have in your heart 
for having a God like that who allows you to have the choice to believe in him or not, to witness his creation, and to actually not only seek hope, but be somebody who carries the authority of the kingdom, the kingdom of God, righteousness, peace, and joy. And you can bring authority of the kingdom here on earth. And I think most people are missing that. They're still disconnected again because they've ventured off into who they believe God to be. And they've started to think all these other things. And they're like, well, I could, if I want to pray, I just have to put a penny in the slot and light a candle and I can call it a day. And it's like, actually, you have authority with Jesus in you to bring the kingdom, righteousness, peace and joy, and to actually take the kingdom of darkness and push it back and advance the kingdom of light with Jesus in you through your prayer. And that is a new concept for a lot of people. That is a new concept for a lot of people. But most people, because they don't have fear of the Lord in them, they fear the other things that they're witnessing. And some of the things that people are witnessing and people in the United States, I think we're starting to wake up to this, is actual darkness. They're seeing demonic things. They're seeing things of the spirit, spirit, in the spiritual realm, the supernatural. They're seeing things that um, maybe they don't feel comfortable talking about in front of other people because they think those people might think they're weird and blah, 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 blah. And I've had a lot of these conversations. And what I can tell you is that uh, you have authority over those things in Jesus. And unless you recognize the authority you have over those things, those things are going to try and instill fear and try and move you away from being proactive and advancing the kingdom and bringing peace to, for example, your home or to a person. And they're going to keep you in that powerless position but you're not powerless. It's like, I, I think I might've heard somebody like Bill Johnson say this once. It's like, you have a million dollars in the bank, but you die of starvation. There's a lot of people who don't recognize the authority that they have or the money example that they have to actually draw on when they're in need, when others are in need. And we need to be able to have this, but the beginning the starting point for having the wisdom and the control over your mind to, to understand this is recognizing that in Proverbs 9:10, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom or control over your mind. And if you fear anything else, anything but God, then you are then more susceptible to fear taking control over your mind. And if wisdom is control over your mind and fear from other things are, are the things that are going to, things that are not of God, fear from the things that are not of God are going to influence whether or not you have control over your mind, then you know that to have the true control of your mind, the peace of God is to first start by fearing God himself. And so I think this is just an opportunity for people right now to say, gosh, do I, like, what have I ever really thought about that for myself? Do I actually fear God? Like, what does that look like on a practical level? I, I mean, I fear God in, in the decisions that I make, not, not saying, oh, I'm afraid to make this decision, but recognizing that God is in those decisions, that God knows all things. I mean, this, this is a, a crazy revelation for people, okay? And the difference between a, a wise life and a foolish life, somebody who is wise is going to take consideration of God in their decisions. I'm not saying you're going to go 100% batting average, you're going to be perfect, I'm saying you're going to consider God in your decisions. And, and it's a process and a journey for, for us to start incorporating God into those decisions. But I remember years ago uh, when I would have that quiet thought, quiet moment, where I would be thinking, man, I wonder if this is like a good idea of God. And then, boom, it would stop 
because I didn't want to include God in my decisions. Why? Because if I included him in my decisions, then I would actually have to be accountable to the things that he speaks to me. Now, at that time, I didn't know God could speak to me. I didn't know that I could hear his voice, right? But the reality is I knew something in my spirit being. We have a spirit, soul, and body. And in my soul, my mind, I was considering the things of God. In my spirit, I knew I could hear from God. But in my body, and I would even call it just like the remnant of sin, which is flesh, okay, which is not, I'm not saying it's the physical body is our flesh, but the remnant of sin in our lives. I was considering in my mind and in my functioning body, my brain, I was like, I want to do my thing. I want to do my thing. And because I want to do my thing, whatever this is, God, yeah, I'm going to leave you out of it because I don't want to hear from you about this decision. What I, what that's revealing of is that I didn't truly understand the character of God and that he actually wants to, um, he, he doesn't want to lead me to harm. He doesn't want to lead me to harm, but he will lead me to a life that glorifies him. He will lead me to a life that glorifies him. So if you've been in that wrestling, if you've been in that um, kind of place where you're either wrestling with fear and you're trying to have wisdom over certain things in your life, maybe leaving a job, maybe how you're handling finances, maybe it's in your marriage, maybe it's even just how you're navigating the things of the world and the things that are coming at you. Maybe you're in a job where you're just, you're flooded with all of the different um, news and you're like, man, how do I even stay in peace with all the stuff happening in the world? Because this is real stuff, like kind of scary. I would say the foundational point for you is going to be coming back to God, turning away from all of the things of the world and even shutting it off and saying, Lord, I just want to hear your voice on these things. I want to invite you into my life. Lord, I don't know what it looks like fully to fear you in this area of my life or to or, or to fear you in this area of my life, meaning I don't know what it looks like to actually include you in decisions, recognizing that there are things that can happen if I make decisions. Uh, there are things that can happen that are not for my, for my good or other people's good. And I don't have full insight to that. So Lord, I want you to help me. I need you to help me. I need you to lead me to the path of truth, of righteousness, of peace and joy. Lord, I need you to lead me to the path of wisdom and understanding of the Holy One, Lord. I need you to lead me to that because I don't have that right now. I don't have that right now. And this is the practice. This is a practice of really developing a, a relationship with the Lord. And, and it's um, a relationship doesn't just get created overnight. You know, a relationship, and, and well, let me put it this way. It does, it can be created, but a relationship doesn't uh, come to its fullest fruition overnight, right? A relationship takes time. A relationship takes effort. A relationship takes input. So I would just encourage you guys that if you are um, just for your own, in your own journey, if you're like, whether you've got an early relationship with God or a very mature relationship with God, if you're recognizing that some of the things that I'm saying around the fear aspect of your relationship with God are either not there or not fully realized in certain areas of your life, this is that opportunity to say, okay, God, I want to, I want to, I want to, to love you and hate evil. I want to choose you and not the things of the world. I want to have wisdom and control over my mind. And I recognize that the things of the world will try and instill fear because Satan has control over the earth. The kingdom of darkness is here on earth and you are trying to bring kingdom of light, but I have been born into kingdom of darkness. So I understand that there is fear infiltrating my mind. 
And those things will try and knock me off my rocker. They'll try and take control of the decisions that I'm making. They'll try and make me make decisions that are not wise or not in alignment with who you uh, see that I am, who you say that I am, who you have planned and made me to be. And so, God, I want to give you priority. I want to give you the right. I want to give you everything so that I can make decisions in accordance with who you say I am and what you see from my life, not what the world says, not what uh, I read about on this latest headline, not about all these other things. I want to make decisions according to your will and purposes, Lord. And I know that will glorify you, and that's the best thing I could do if I if my life ended today. So I want to do that to you, Lord. And when you do that, God honors that. My gosh, God honors that. He showed me this in 1 John 4, 18. There's no fear in love, but perfect love casts out all fear, because fear hath torment. And this is very interesting when I said earlier about how lower-level fears, things that are not of God, basically, lower-level fears right? Those things can actually take control. Those are the things that take control over our mind very quickly and easily, right? Because it's like, gosh, uh, you know, if I start thinking that this is the thing in control of my life and, and I've been believing this thing or this person, and then that narrative changes, now I'm afraid uh, because it's now coming against me. But if I have put God above all those things, then I can stay with him and what he sees from my life, his instructions, I can just listen and obey and have a lot more peace in the decisions that I'm making and also have a lot more wisdom because I'll be more controlled rather than just responding to my emotions. But earlier I was talking about the idea of fear and how I could be afraid of the of the of the math test pass, you know, pass fail, but then family can get sick and now that fear, lower level fear goes away because I'm more afraid of this, of this uh, you know, of the family sickness rather than I don't care about the math test when it's compared to family sickness. So the greater the level of fear that's introduced into your life, the smaller all those other fears become. So, and that's, that's why I believe the Lord says beginning of wisdom is fearing him because he's the greatest level of fear. And what's really interesting though, is he says in first John four eighteen, there is no fear in love. In other words, the fear of God the Almighty, the maker of heaven and earth, the fear of God has no fear in him. There's the, the God that we fear has no fear in him. Think about this. The God that we fear has no fear in him. There is no fear in love. There is no fear in love. And God is, if God is love himself, then the God that we fear, because he says to fear him, that's the beginning of wisdom, that God has no fear. Now think about that. I like if God's for me, who can be against me? Idea here. I, I would love to be on the side of God who has no fear. And if I'm going to fear anything, I would love to fear the one who has no fear. Personally, I would love to fear the one who has no fear. That's what I would love to do. And I just sense that people are getting some kind of like, like aha moment in, in, in something that I'm sharing right now, because this is, this is super important for gaining control over your mind. And I believe one of the things that is being attacked right now at the level that we've never seen before is our mind, not just this generation, but the generation coming up after us 
The mines are are on full fledged. There's a full fledged attack against the mind right now. I mean, nobody knows what's truth and lie. Nobody knows what. I mean, seriously, nobody knows what is actually a true statement anymore. And so that can create a lot of fear, right? When you just don't even know, like, is what's being said even is that even true? Is it accurate? You know, you've got fact checkers who are being fact checked. It's like this stuff is all twisted and backwards. And so, you know, for me, what I think I've been um, not taking for granted, but overlooking is just how many years God was kind of building my faith in him and the fear of him that over these last couple years, how much more um, I was kind of protected from some of the things that were happening. And I'm starting to realize, wow, a lot of people have not ever had that kind of part of their life journey happen yet, where they've experienced a lot of loss. They've had to really challenge their own faith. And then they've had to really ask, who is God? Okay, and I don't want the religious BS answer. I want the real thing. And I'm actually going to do the work to go figure it out myself. Oh, and then I get encountered by God on many, many levels for a long period of time where I can't deny him at all. I cannot deny him. And, and people are at different stages on our, of their spiritual journey. But I, th- I just, I think I was overlooking aspects of my journey that God had done to prepare me before these last couple of years. And I'm saying, sitting here to myself, I'm going, Lord, like, this seems like a no-brainer. Yes, fear of you is the beginning of wisdom. Don't we all know that yet? And he said, yes. But do we have that understanding in our heart? Right. And by the way, some people may have never heard that before. You know, Proverbs 9, 10. Some people may have never heard that before. Today, before today. Some people may have never heard that. And for those who have, do you have that real understanding in your heart that 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 foundation in your life is what's actually going to lead you to decisions to bring more life, more life to your life. And, and it's incredible for me to even think about that next verse, though, 1 John 4, 18, where he says, there's no fear in love. Fear God, the one who has no fear. Fear God, the one who has no fear. And when you fear a God who has no fear, if that's who you fear, if that's what you fear, how do you think that impacts your decisions while you're here? Might change some things. I've made decisions in fear, not fear of God fear. I've made decisions in fear in my life. And the more that God has helped me gain wisdom, the more he has helped me gain control over my mind, the better my decisions. And I'm not saying they're perfect. I'm saying the better, more life-giving my decisions have been. Now, I know that I've got another thing God's been speaking to me, and I know I've been sharing for a little bit, but if there's something that's resonating with you, I I would personally just like to know. um, And so I'm going to ask you, to just leave something in the comments. You can leave, you can ask a question if you have it. I'm just going to pause for a second. Has the mind, the mind that is weak, 
will not do well. The mind that is weak will not do well. The mind that believes anything that they read will not do well. The mind that believes anything they hear will not do well. This is not about education. This is not about how much information you have or what facts are right or not right. This is about wisdom and control over your mind. The weak-minded are not going to do well. And I believe there is a call right now to our nation to stop being weak-minded, to stop being weak-minded. I do not believe this is a call for rebellion. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying it's a call to our nation to, in truth and love, stop being weak-minded. The mind has been deteriorated by people filling it with junk food, with junk entertainment, with news that instills fear that is not fear of God, with things that create division, with people, honestly, who are putting their faith and hope in things that are not of God. And the weak-minded are not going to do well. I just saw a message. Somebody said, I struggle with fear so much. I know that this is a real thing for people. The mind that is in control by those things of the world that I've mentioned is going to be susceptible to anything that those things of the world want to lead you to. And the weak-minded are absolutely under attack right now. The strong-minded too, of course, but the weak-minded are absolutely under attack right now. And, um, and they're not winning. I can tell you that much. They're not winning. And, and the good news is that Jesus came to set the captives free. The good news is that, that perfect love uh, casts out all fear. There is no fear in love. God is love himself. There is no fear in him. And the good news is that you can have the kingdom of God in you when you say, Lord, I choose to turn away from all these things in my life, whether I've worshipped crystals, whether I've worshipped uh, Ouija boards, whether I've worshipped rocks, trees, whether I've worshipped um, somebody's fortune telling, whether I've worshipped a priest, whether I've worshipped um, the Bible itself, the Word of God, without the life of the Word of God in it, whether I've worshipped things that are not uh, of God, anything that it could be not of God, okay? Whether I've worshipped anything that is not of God, Lord, I choose to come back to you right now. I submit everything to you. I submit my thoughts. I submit my relationships. I submit my career decisions. I submit my health. I submit everything to you, Lord. Lord, I turn back to you, Jesus Christ. You came on this earth, walked this earth. You died for my sin, past, present, and future, and you rose again. You are alive, and you are offering the opportunity to have salvation from the punishment I rightfully deserve for eternity because of the sin in my life. And guess what? There's also sin from parents and parents' parents and parents' parents' parents, and we are held accountable to for generations. And Jesus came to set captives free, and he said, I am here to bring life and bring life abundantly. I'm not here to bring religion. I'm not here to bring condemnation. He didn't do that. He said, I'm here to set the captives free. He, he is setting the captives free. He himself, Jesus, is setting him, the captives free right now. He is setting them free right now. And I know somebody can theologically say, well, Jesus didn't say those exact words out of the Bible. And guess what? I don't know every word that came out of Jesus' mouth, but it sounds exactly like something that he was going to say. 
that Jesus was here to set the captives free. And in Isaiah, the foretelling of Jesus, we know that that's true. And so I believe right now that people are having the opportunity to turn away from all these things that they've been going to because they've been afraid. And they've said, oh, I'm going to turn to even to idolizing working out, idolizing. And I'm just getting into a lot of different things right now. But I'm hearing idolizing food, idolizing the TV, idolizing news, idolizing one news source, idolizing one celebrity, blah, 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 idolizing whoever and putting your faith in all those things. And God's saying, will you turn away from those things and turn back to me? That's what God's saying. I just believe he's in, he's saying with a strong encouragement, like, will you turn away from those things and turn back to me? Will you trade your fear that has come from all those things? And will you choose instead to fear me? Fear me, meaning to, to look at me and recognize that my judgment is real, that you can respect me and obey me because I have good plans for you. And all of my plans will glorify me. And that's a good thing. That's glorifying God, not me. And that you can have a reverence and an awe for the things that I'll do in your life. Can you, can you trade the things that you have been afraid of that are not of God and instead choose to be in fear of God in the ways in which he asked you to just repent, to turn away from those things, to turn back to him? And it's really simple. It's, this is not. This is not a. Uh, <laughs> this this is not like some kind of religious thing. It's just in your heart. You're saying, in your heart somewhere, you're saying, God, I don't want the things that I've been feeding myself with. I don't want whatever lies that there are in my life. I don't want those things. Colossians three two says, set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. God's asking you, will you set your mind on him, not on the things that are earthly? This is really important because the, the mind is under attack. The mind is under attack, and I believe people need this right now. I'm going to give you another picture God showed me. So he showed me, he showed me uh, like a glass like this, okay? And it's really interesting because this glass, um, he said, he showed me this, there's a person standing outside the glass and, uh, and the person was looking inside the glass and they were like, there's nothing inside. There's nothing inside this glass. And then the person saw the glass shaking. And when they saw the glass shaking, they realized that there was something inside. In other words, you could look at this glass and not realize that there's something inside. But when there is shaking, you can see that there is something visibly inside this glass. In other words, the lie that the enemy wants you to believe is that there's nothing inside. But through the shaking, you will see that there is something inside. If you're watching, you'll see I just spilled water all over my keyboard. That's great. And you'll see that there's actually something inside this glass. And the cool thing about it is once there was belief, once there was understanding that there was something inside this glass, I saw that person walking through the glass and now they were inside the glass. Now they were in the living water of life. Now they were in Jesus. They were with Holy Spirit. In other words, this was a person who had been looking 
inside going, yeah, I don't believe the lie. I don't believe that there's something inside everybody that tells me that there's something real inside of this glass. I don't believe it because they couldn't see it. They couldn't see it because it was clear. It wasn't moving, but then there was the shaking. And when there was the shaking, they realized that it was real. And then they said, you know what? That If that's real, if everything that people have been telling me about is real, I want what's inside. And God gave them the grace to go inside. I saw them walk through the outside of this glass into the middle in the living water of life, in the living water of life. And so if that's a word for you right now, I just believe that God's saying something about this idea of belief inside. I believe he's saying something about this idea of actually choosing to actually choosing to believe what's inside this glass, that this glass is full of water. This glass is actually living water and that he actually wants you to experience, taste and see the living water of life. But for those who have believed that it's a lie, for those who have been looking inside at this glass and looking inside saying, no, I don't believe what everybody says, that, that God is a living God, that this guy Jesus is a living Jesus. I don't believe that. I believe you're going to see that through the shaking that we're seeing in this time. I believe you're going to see that through the shaking that's going to prove to you as the, the water spills over, as the water spills over into your life, you will start to experience the, the refreshing water of life. And so for those people who are saying to themselves right now, they're saying, gosh, I don't know how this is possible. And I'm trying to clean my keyboard off right now. I don't know how this is possible. I don't know how to get inside that glass. Even if I do believe it's real, the belief that it is what he says he is, that he is the water of life, that he is the true God. He is the God who gives you forgiveness freely. That belief is all you need. God will, will make a way for you to live with him, have Holy Spirit, living water with you in your spirit, in your being. And he will make a way for you to actually have union with him where you are living your life in that water, in the refreshment of that water, in the refreshing uh, water of life. And I believe people need to hear that because they've been dry. They've been spiritually dry. They've been spiritually dehydrated. They've been in a place in their life where they're saying, you know what? I just don't, I, I've been full of fear in my mind. I've had all these different things that have been happening in my life over the last couple of years. I'm seeing what's happening now and there's more fear and God's, there's a shaking happening. If you're watching, you will have the opportunity to taste and see the water of life. You will have the opportunity to uh, believe of what everybody has been telling you about what's inside. But I believe it's for the hungry and the thirsty. And so my prayer right now, I believe that people just need to be asking the Lord, like, Lord, I want to be hungry. I want to be thirsty. I want to be hungry for you. I want to be thirsty for you. Lord, I don't like this fear that I've been living with. I don't like the attack of my mind. I don't like the attack of my family. I'm done with this. I'm done being a victim to all of these things. I want to actually have the authority to take control over these things, to bring the kingdom of light, to actually experience the kingdom of light in my mind, to experience the kingdom of light in my life physically, to actually experience and receive healing. Lord, I'm, I'm asking right now that those who are in that place, I'm asking you to deposit the hunger and thirsting that they need to actually believe of what they've been told, like I'm telling you right now, what you've been told about what's inside. I believe that God has made a way for people and is making a way for people to go through what seems like an impenetrable uh, 
path. It doesn't seem like you can't just cut a hole in the glass here. Otherwise, the water is going to come gushing out. There won't be any left inside. But God's saying, nope, because I'm the creator, not the creation, uh, I can actually take you from outside to inside. And all it, all it requires is your belief. That's all he's saying. And that's the picture he showed me. He said, all it requires is your belief. Do you believe me? Do you believe who I say I am? The great I am, Jesus, the great I am. Do you believe who I say I am? And he says that he is He is the Alpha and the Omega. And that's the beginning and the end. And if you don't have understanding of, of God in that way, if you just believe that that's a God that you'll never be able to, uh, to please or appease, if you believe that that's a God that you are powerless to, um, to have a part in, in you know, his design and his creation, you just have to hope and pray. And, and like I said earlier, light a candle and put a penny in a slot. It's like, no, the God's actually like, I want to do life with you. He's like, I want to do life with you. And I want you to actually take this living water to other places. I want you to be refreshment to other places. I want you to bring that refreshment to other people's souls in your being. And I believe that God's asking people to just believe in what he's saying. And I know that this is resonating with somebody spiritually. I know it's just sitting with them and hopefully refreshing their soul. But I really believe that, the, you know, in, in the Bible, it talks about seeds all the time. It talks about seeds, you know, seeds of truth. Um, seeds falling on the ground. Jesus talks about a parable. Or Jesus shares a parable about the seed that fell on hard rock and thorns and da 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 da. And the seeds, the seeds of truth in our lives need to be watered. The seeds of truth in our lives need to be watered. But a lot of people are not walking around with any water to offer. They're just walking around with dry religion. They're just walking around with uh, powerless understanding. And if they have any under, if they don't have any understanding of God, they're just walking around in fear. And I believe God's just saying, nope, I built you for faith. I built you for faith. And when you fear me, you'll be full of faith. And when you have that faith, you'll be full of the prayers, full of the water of life that'll be able to water the seeds that are in people's lives. And you'll be able to pray powerful prayers, pray powerful prayers of healing, pray powerful prayers of deliverance, powerful prayers where you actually see change happen and you're not just sitting there um, hoping and wishing, but you're actually bringing the authority of God as an ambassador, as somebody who has been given authority by God himself to bring the kingdom of light here. You will actually start to move things in front of you. You actually start to see things change in front of you. And I believe God's just saying, hey, is there anybody out there who wants to offer water to the seeds that have been planted? Is there anybody that, that's thirst, that is that thirsty for me? Is there anybody who's listening? Is there anybody who's willing? Is there anybody who's, who's, uh, who's actually going to do what I ask them to do because they fear me, and as a result, they obey me when I ask them to do something? And I believe that's just that's my um, been on my heart. Um, it's something that is it resonates me with me out of a personal conviction. And, uh, and I hope that that helps you guys set your minds on things above and not on the earthly things from Colossians 3, 2. I'm going to just pause here a second. I need some water, but, um, if you guys have any questions or comments before we end, I'd be happy to, to answer, even if it's just something that resonated. I'm going to read from Jeremiah because I just felt like the Lord was asking me to read this. I didn't really want to read this, to be honest with you, talk about fear of God. Um, I can't. I can't end without reading it. So in Jeremiah 2, 
says Israel forsakes the Lord. Israel means wrestles with God's his chosen people. It's not just the nation of Israel. It's Israel becomes uh, the Jew and the Gentile. Gentiles, anyone's not Jew. Anyway, this is Old Testament um, and Jeremiah 2 says uh, verse 4. Some of you guys maybe have never heard this before. What wrong did your fathers find in me that they went far from me and went after worthlessness and became worthless? This is the word of God speaking to his people. What wrong did your fathers find in me that they went far from me and went after worthlessness and became worthless? That's a confronting question, right? Are the things that we're after worthless? And it tells us, too, that the things that we pursue are what we become. What wrong did your fathers find in me that they went far from me and went after worthlessness, pursued worthlessness, and became worthless? Think about that. If the things, are the things that we pursue are the things we become, think about what you're pursuing. They did not say, where is the Lord who brought us out of the land of Egypt? This is when the Lord freed them out of oppressive slavery. Who led us into the wilderness in a land of deserts and pits, in a land of drought and deep darkness, in a land that none passes through where no man dwells. And I brought you into a plentiful land to enjoy its fruits, its good things. But when you came in, you defiled my land and made my heritage an abomination. Verse 8, the priests did not say, where is the Lord? You know, when we fear the Lord, we ask that question, right? Where is the Lord? Those who handle the law, this is Old Testament stuff, but still the law. Those who handled the law did not know me. He's saying the priests at that time, they did not know me. The shepherds transgressed against me. The prophets prophesied by Baal and went after things that do not profit. Remember earlier I was talking about fortune telling and Ouija boards and, you know, crystals and all those things. And, you know, there's a lot of people who are prophesying by demonic spirits. Not of God. Therefore, I still contend with you, declares the Lord, and with your children's children, I will contend. For cross to the coasts of Cyprus and sea, or send to Kedar and examine with care. See if there has been such a thing. Has a nation changed its gods, even though they are no gods? But my people have changed their glory for that which does not profit. Be appalled, O heavens, at this. Be shocked, be utterly desolate, declares the Lord. For my people have committed two evils. One, they have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters. And two, they hewed out cisterns for themselves, broken cisterns that can hold no water. I'm going to repeat 13 again. This is chapter 2, verse 13 out of Jeremiah. For my people have committed two evils. They've forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and hewed out cisterns for themselves, broken cisterns that can hold no water. Broken cisterns that can hold no water. Is Israel a slave? 
Is he a home-born servant? Why then has he become a prey? The weak-minded become a prey. The lions have roared against him. They have roared loudly. They have made his land a waste. His cities are in ruins without inhabitant. Moreover, the men of Memphis and... This is a tough name to pronounce right off the bat. Tapanes have shaved the crown of your head. Have you not brought this upon yourself by forsaking the Lord your God when he led you in the way? He led you in the way. You know, when people followed Jesus, back when Jesus was walking this earth, Jesus of Nazareth, walking this earth, real person, walking this earth, okay? When they were following him, they were called the way. Verse 17 says, have you not brought this upon yourself by forsaking the Lord your God when he led you in the way? And before Jesus was on earth in flesh, God made himself manifest and showed his people the way through the law. And he showed that nobody would be able to fulfill the law. And therefore, they were all subject to punishment for the sin that they were never able to fully atone for everlasting. And that's why for God so loved the world, he sent his only son. And he showed us the way, the truth and the life, Jesus himself. And now what do you gain by going to Egypt to drink the waters of the Nile? Or what do you gain by going to Assyria to drink the waters of the Euphrates? Your evil will chastise you and your apostasy will reprove you. Know and see that it is evil and bitter for you to forsake the Lord your God. The fear of me is not in you. The fear of me is not in you, declares the Lord God of hosts. I really believe God just wants the fear of God in us. He wants the fear of God in us. Proverbs 9.10, how I started this whole thing. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. Is the fear of the Lord in you? God talks about here, he's basically, he's rebuking, he's rebuking his children. He's saying, hey guys, you, like, where, where is your faith? You just totally forgot all my faithfulness? God saying that. He's saying, you just forgot all my faithfulness? Did you forget? Like the severity of my wrath and judgment that I bring, how I destroyed armies to set you free. Like God will remind us of these things. And I believe he's asking us, I believe he's asking us, is the fear of the Lord in you? Is the fear of the Lord in you? And I believe he's asking that question because he knows how important it is for the time that we're in. The weak-minded are prey. Don't be weak-minded. Ask God, Lord, help me. I want to have wisdom. I don't fully know what fear of the Lord looks like in this particular situation or in my life in general. I need your help. I want the hunger. I want the thirsting for the fountain of living waters in my life. Lord, help me, show me, lead me, guide me in the way because that's where I want to be. In every instance, when you look back to the Old Testament, it always talks about judgment and then mercy, judgment and then mercy. God's message of judgment is followed by a message of mercy. 
Judgment is his rightful responsibility. Mercy, mercy is his character. God does not desire sacrifice. He desires mercy. But the thing is, we need to be able to give him a reason to be merciful. Lord, I'm showing you, I'm turning back to you. Lord, have mercy on me. And I can't tell you how many times that I've actually had to have that happen in my own life. Sometimes it happens immediately. I can see and feel his mercy. It's like super instant, even financially. I've seen that happen. Uh, I made a poor decision here, blah, 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 blah. Lord, have mercy on me. Like I literally, I'm trying to change. You know, there's this pattern or there's this thing, or I made a poor decision. I didn't know. I didn't seek wisdom. I didn't have fear of you in this. I didn't trust you. I just confessed to him, Lord, this is where I was at. This is where I am now. Help me have mercy. And I've seen him show up supernaturally. And then there's other times where I've been crying out literally on my knees. And I'm like, Lord, have mercy, have mercy on me. And that started a journey. And the journey took a while, but my prayer did not change. It was, Lord, have mercy on me. Have mercy on me because I want the fear of the Lord in me. I don't want to live any other way. So I hope that that encourages you guys. Um, the fear of the Lord, I believe, is in many people who are watching. And, you know, I think for all of us, there's more areas of our lives that we can continue growing. So just if you're walking away from this, remember that God loves you so much and he is love himself. There is no fear that he has, but he says the beginning of wisdom is to fear him himself, the one who has no fear. And I believe if you do that, you will be able to stand shielded, guarded against the fear of the lesser things, the things that are not of God that are trying to influence attack in this world. And we need more leaders like that. We need leaders who are uh, standing fearless because they fear the one who cannot have fear himself. Thanks guys for being here.